Hey everybody, welcome back to the Senators Roundtable. I'm your host, Jacob Billington, joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Dayton Reimer, and for once, out of the dress shirt, we have Paul Quinney. How you guys doing? How you how you doing, Paul? You're on a trip in Mexico. Yeah, great. There's man, nothing to complain about. Just sunny blue skies and margaritas all the way. So it's it's amazing I'm even sober here to do this show. So well, rub it in a little further, would you? How you doing, Dayton? Good. Yeah, no, it's uh well, it's the a teacher break for Saskatchewan right now. Just chilling. <laughs> got, got some time to do some writing. So good. That's always always a good time. Yeah, you just pitched a pretty good idea in the chat. I'll kind of keep everybody guessing on that one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we can just dive right into things. Um, we can do our little breakdown or takeaways from Ottawa, Florida. Um, a very, very entertaining third period. Um, obviously, Jonas Corpusalo let in a goal just seconds into the game. I think it was 19 seconds. Um, obviously, you don't want to see that. But other than that, he was pretty rock solid the whole game, which was really nice to see. I was pretty upset because I bet on the over on Florida Panthers goals because that was absolutely a given. But I didn't land it for once with Corpus Halo in net. But hey, what can, what can you do? Um, one of the biggest takeaways for me personally was Josh Norris. He's now has one goal in his last 19 or 20 games after tonight. That's just not enough. There's been a lot of talk about um, what to do with Josh Norris and whatnot. And then there was one play with about, I don't know, I want to say about five or six minutes left in the third period. He took a hit out front. I don't know if he got injured, uh, but he just like walked to the bench. I probably could have swam there faster. And this was with a lot of pressure going on. He stayed in the game. He had another shift in the game. I don't know if he was just kind of feeling something right there or what, but that effort to the bench instead of going to a back check, it was probably a good seven or eight seconds of offensive pressure by the Florida Panthers until the fifth man got out there. That really irked me. If he's if he got hurt or something, okay, I understand. That's It, it happens. But I don't know. He just kind of looked like he was walking to the bench. That bugged me a lot. What about what about you, Paul? Did you watch the game? Well, actually, I'm having problems with my streaming down here, but uh, I I did follow it on Twitter, and and you're right. Um, you know, Norris. I guess like where were you? And yeah. I don't know where you've been for 20 games. This is this is just uh, the amount of what's he making? Nine million bucks. Eight and change? Uh, 7.95. Oh, it's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, just under eight. So they got to do something with him. Now, that said, who's going to pick him up for eight million bucks? Um, it doesn't look like he's injured. And to your point, you know, skate, well, that lackadaisical skate to the bench, that, that just indicates a state of mind. Um, yeah. So... He he's uh, he's a big problem, but uh, overall, you know, tonight uh, good effort against the number one team in the Atlantic Division, and they walked out with a point. So yeah. nothing to complain about. It, it was a really good game all around. It's it's hard to complain about the game, and I guess starting out with the negative is a bit rough, but it's just the biggest standout for me. What about you, Dayton? Either the biggest standout to you, or what do you think of the Norris kind of? I don't know if you caught that or what, but. What are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, not able to catch all the games unless they're uh, streamed on Sportsnet or TSN or whatever. Gotta love the uh, the regional blackouts. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, missed this one. I have been thinking about Norris. He has not been performing well lately, obviously. Yeah. Um, I did not know it was what is it? You said one goal in the last 20 games? It was they said one goal in the last 19. I don't know if they included Ugh. tonight or not, but either 19 or 20. Yeah, that's that's a big issue. And I don't know how the senators are gonna fix it. Um I have a I have a sneaking suspicion of what they might have to do. But I'll I'll save that for another article idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean so uh, I believe it was David David Pagnota with the fourth period. Uh, he reported that Logan Couture is kind of on the trade block and that they're listening. He's injured right now, but he is expected to be back by the end of the season for sure. Um, and he linked Ottawa to them. And I wonder if there's a possibility of a Josh Norris for Logan Couture kind of trade because you're not taking on Logan Couture if you're not sending out a lot of money. That's just absolutely not happening. There's no, there's nothing. But, like Logan Couture plus a little bit of an asset for Josh Norris. Is that something that you would kind of consider there, Paul? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, things are dire now with Norris. Uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, now we're talking about trades a couple weeks ago. Well, maybe not that long ago. I had a piece out on uh, Ottawa senators who could be moved at the trade trade deadline. And I, I, mentioned Norris. Now that got a lot of reaction from my readers, uh, mostly in disagreement. And, you know, what a crazy idea. Why would you do that? He's a, he's a young star. He's just trying to come back from an injury. You got to give him time. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure, well, if, 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 if I were Steos, uh, I, he's got to be at the point where he's out of time. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'd be I'd be open to anything uh, with Norris. But I think where Dayton was going um, in his comments is, um, you know, how much salary you're going to have to eat. Right. Uh, how much will you have to retain? So, yeah, I don't know. Another, if you're looking at a team like the like the Sharks, I don't think you need to retain if like if you do, it's just a little bit. Um, just because I don't think they're too worried about their salary cap situation moving forward. But again, they still might say, like, listen, you need to save a couple couple million bucks here because we're still retaining on Eric Carlson. So why don't you just kind of make up the difference or something like that? I don't know. But well, he's not, you know, seven point nine five million dollars. He's yeah, that's the way he's performing is nowhere near that. Yeah. Dayton, any other thoughts on Norris, or I guess you missed the game, but any thoughts on Norris before we move on? Um, Specifically about Norris, not really. It, it's an interesting idea to think of him as a flip for Couture. Or Couture, yeah. sorry. Because um, Couture actually makes a little bit more than Norris. Yeah. So he's at $8 million. Norris is just under $8 million. Um, Do the Senators have enough space to fit it in straight up? Because I don't know if you need to hold. They basically provide the same amount of points right now. Yeah. They're both about 60 point guys. Norris is way younger. Couture. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. See, the thing with Just... Couture is that he only has three years left after this year, opposed to Norris, who has another six after this year, seven, six or seven. 
how so, bad is the situation when you're thinking like it's only three years? Yeah. I don't know. And with Ottawa already in cap problems, is so what does Kachir make? 8.35, is it? Or is uh, it just eight? I think it's just eight. Just eight. Yeah. So yeah, that's still a big contract. Like I I don't know. I don't know. But he is one of those guys that I would classify as a hockey pro that still has gas in the tank, um, provided he can stay healthy. Um, that Steve Steos has kind of mentioned. And uh, I believe it was you, Paul, you mentioned Steve Steos. Uh, he's not connected to any of these players, right? We've talked about that before. He's not the guy that traded for Josh Norris as the centerpiece of the Eric Carlson trade. Obviously, as time has gone on, it's obvious that Tim Stutzel is the centerpiece of the deal. But the day that the deal was made, Josh Norris was the centerpiece, right? And so Pierre Dorian would never even consider trading him. Well, I mean, and what Steve do you guys Stiles think? doesn't have that connection. Well, what do you guys think? I mean, are are, are my readers right? These, he's a young guy. You got to give him time. He's just having some trouble coming back from an injury and hang in there with him. Would you believe that? No. Mm. I, quite frankly, no. Like, I, yeah, he has that 35 goal potential. 30 goals, 60 points. If he can get that out of him, great. That's not an $8 million player in today's NHL. That's a $6 million player. Um, and he's not doing that. He has one goal in his last 19 games, and he's injury prone. He's had uh, two shoulder injuries, one before his NHL career. Um, and then he obviously missed a full season that still lingered into the start of this season, let's not forget. Um, so I don't know. I'm just... I don't want to say I'm I'm over Josh Norris, but it's getting to that point. It's it's starting to get there that I'm okay with seeing him move on. Two years ago, he's part of the future. He is part of the untouchables on this team. But now it's just he's worked his way off that list for me. Well, for a modest fee, I can uh check check things out here with the Mexican Elite League. Maybe uh maybe Josh could move down here. I don't know. <laughs> Get the get the inside intel. Yeah, yeah. Um, either of you have any final thoughts on, I uh, I guess anything that we just kind of talked about. No, well, I think just to sum up the I guess the game, uh, get back to the takeaways. It's nice to see the the centers are still getting points from those. Like yeah. it's a tough loss against uh, the other Kachuk, but, um, you know, I, one point is better than none. And so if you have to right. lose, you come back after, I think it was a 2 none deficit, was it not? It was. So coming back in that fashion, especially the way uh, Stutzler scored that goal, I did see that one on Twitter. Yeah. Um, that's that's what you want to see, right? Yeah. And it didn't end up the way you wanted it. Didn't wait, end up the way, didn't start the way you wanted it either. But it's it's a lot more hopeful than... It has been in a while. Yeah, and Tim Suzel's yeah. got three goals in his last three games, so that's that's pretty good. Um, finally getting back on that. I think before that, these three games, he had eight goals on the season, which is just not nearly enough. And even today, he still does not have a power play goal. Hmm. Yeah. Well, man, I'll tell you that goal tonight. He he was full on Connor McDavid. It was uh, it was something else to see. Great highlight reel. So yeah. It was a beautiful goal. Did you yeah. see how he reacted, though? I, I missed it. I didn't, no. Well, he, he barely celebrated. Oh, Just straight-faced. Yes. Just like that was supposed to happen, and it's about time. 
Right. And I, I do think that it actually it got poked in by a Florida defender. I don't know which one, but I think that the final touch on the puck was from a Florida player. Um, but yeah, it still he put them in that position. That was an absolutely yeah. beautiful goal. Um, I, I guess we're kind of skip over our next kind of talking point here um just because we kind of talked about this already but what are your thoughts on the new look top nine now i know that neither of you watched the full game tonight but um it's i really really like the look of this top nine so right now it's kachuk pinto tarasenko as the top line uh matthew joseph stutzel and claudia charu as the second line and ridley greg josh norris drake batherson as the third line in my opinion that's as perfect as this lineup can get um, it's very, very balanced through all those three lines. Throw whoever you want on the fourth line. The fourth line plays less than nine minutes a night, most nights on the Senators. But I don't know. I, I really like the look at this. Uh, what do you think, Dayton? Um, I'm a little nervous about Pinto on the top line. I don't think he is permanent top line material. Second line, sure. Third line, totally. First line, to me, that is a deficit that I didn't think the Senators had. I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, I've tried to follow Pinto as closely as I can since he was drafted in uh, 2019. But I don't know. that. To me, that is a little nerve-wracking. I think this could be a lineup you look back on five years and think, really? Fair enough. And the way I look at it is that it's not about Pinto on the first line. It's more just about balance through the whole top nine. So you can say, yeah, Pinto on the first line is not ideal. But then you look at the third line and you have uh, Josh Norris and Drake Batherson, who are not the best players at the moment right now. They're kind of struggling. But like just to have that option of putting Josh Norris and Drake Batherson on your third line, I think that balances it out. And I think that that's kind of the goal here. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head, uh, Jacob, balancing it out. Uh, certainly, that's what Jacques Martin used to explain what he was doing. But, uh, you know, I know we've, we've just been talking here about that top line of Pinto, Tchuk, and Tarasenko, and are they a legit top line? Well, tonight, uh, you know, I took a look at the stats, and between them, now they didn't, didn't have any points, but, man, they had 11 shots on goal. Uh, Pinto had five. So, you know, I think they, at least tonight, they showed their bona fides. Um, but, uh, yeah, he had to do something, you know, mix it up and sort of balance the lines. Um, you know, I think uh, Joseph brings that speed to this, well, what is now the second line of, of Stutzla, Joseph, and Giroux. And I still have a hard time referring to that line as, as the second line, but exactly. um, yeah, you know, so out of first line, second line, third, uh, it, it's a bit of a dog, a bit of a toss up, you know, uh, depends on the night. Right. And you look at the kind of deployment between um, power play and penalty kill as well. And everybody's ice time is going to be a little bit skewed, uh, but Josh Norris only finished the game with 10 minutes and 54 seconds of even strength time. Uh, opposed to who are his line mates. Uh, Ridley Gregg finished with over 12 minutes and Drake Batherson finished with over 12 minutes as well. So uh, Josh Norris was benched a few times and he sat out 
a little bit at the beginning of the third period. Um, I don't know. That didn't stick for too long. I think I think he sat for the first 10 minutes of the of the third period, but then he got lots of ice time in the final 10 minutes. But it's just I don't know. Can like can you trust him to throw him out there as one of your best six guys to try and score a goal? I they didn't pull their goalie today, but um considering the fact that most of the time that you need a goal, is Josh Norris gonna be one of those six guys for you that you could throw out there? Not right now. I don't think so. I'm gonna go with Kachuk, Pinto, Tarasenko. You need a defenseman out there, so Shabbat Sanderson or Chikrin, take your pick. Um, pretty much anybody in that top nine, I'm going to take on the ice instead of Josh Norris. He's kind of bottom of the list for me right now. And well, I'm you... sure that will change, but today against the Florida Panthers, I'm going with the eight guys ahead of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, you wonder why you know, basically Martin changed out left wingers, right? I mean, mm. uh, between Chuck to Chuck and Greg. And I suppose, you know, when I looked at Greg Norris and Batherson, I thought to myself, okay, Greg, you know, he, he had some grit to that line, which it needs, but um, I don't know with Norris not pulling his weight, uh, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's hard to be effective. So. Yeah, and I will walk back maybe some of my comments that I made about Pinto. He, if this is working, then they should be using it. Um, I don't think he is a long-term solution there, but right now, this works. Uh, like you said, it's balanced, right? You got a really solid top line. You got a really solid second line. The third line is, you know, where the guys are going who are struggling or Ridley Gregg, who is not, but also kind of is for different reasons um yeah like batherson hasn't been what he needs to be so he's third line i like seeing that from this coach i think this shows that there is less favoritism now mm -hmm. i think dj smith was a big you know he he has his guys and he keeps playing his guys and we saw that with so many defensemen that he just stuck to um <laughs> through thick and thin and mostly thin. Uh, I think Coburn. Zaitsev was... Sorry? Braden Coburn. Coburn, yes. Zaitsev was, was also a problem until he got uh, sent to the minors. Um, so I think this is positive. I think also this is a, a sign that things are are not as good as they could be because you take that top six and put it up against anyone else's top six and there's some significant gaps but if it's working keep doing it i'm i'm all for that yeah i think yeah. all the talent is there i the the talent is there i just think that this team has struggled to have everybody firing on all cylinders at the same time you always have three, four, even five of your top nine doing really well. And then you have the other three, four, five just struggling. And it's there's never been a really strong balance of this top nine. And I don't know what solves that. Does this kind of mix-up solve that? They've done pretty good for the last two games. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that this is the best option for them right now. And it's just to balance everything out, obviously, except for the fourth line, which is just going to be Kelly, Castellick, and... Kubelik right now, but that's 
that's not going to stick after the trade deadline. So is that going to be Crookshank? I don't know. But whoever it is, that fourth line is just kind of a moot point. It's a couple of tough guys going out there and doing their thing, grinding down the top line of the opponent. But the top nine, I think this is a good balance. And I think this is the best option for Ottawa right now. But Jacob, you you know, you mentioned, okay, they look good in the last couple of games, but, uh, you know, I, I go back to the two games the, they lost against um, Chicago and Anaheim. Anaheim, they mm-hmm. just took the night off. And, uh, you know, these last couple of games don't, they don't erase that. And that's a big question. I mean, why they keep mailing in stinkers like those two games, Chicago and, and Anaheim, they, they got a lot of work to do. Um, so we'll see what, what, uh, what comes up the trade deadline and, and over the summer, but, uh, yeah, there, there's still huge gaps in, in, in this lineup. Uh, they're, they're quite some time, they're quite a ways from being a contender in my opinion. So you say that the, these last two good games against Florida and Tampa, two of the best teams in the league, T- Tampa struggling a bit, but, um, Florida, especially one of the best teams in the league. You say that that doesn't erase the games against Chicago and Anaheim. Do the games against Chicago and Anaheim erase the four-game win streak against Nashville, Detroit, Toronto, and Columbus? And then following that up with a win against Tampa? Well, you know what? Here, here's what I would say. And, um, you know, I go back. I'm old enough to remember the Leafs when, when they truly were horrible um, back in the, you know, the 80s, the 90s. And Toronto fans would say, I, I just can't figure it out. You know, the Leafs play a top team and they mm. win. And then the next night they go out and they're just awful against a like a bottom dwelling team. And and I think what happens there is, you know, when the Senators are up against a top tier team, they're up for it. They want to do well. And the top tier team, eh, you know, their attitude is, hey, it's just the Senators. And so then that's when, by God, the Senators look great. Look, you know, they're taking on, they're competing with top tier teams. But that just shows you how bad they are. And when they when they play a team at their status in the league, Chicago, Anaheim, well, you see, you see what they truly are. That that's my take on that. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I, it's really good to have that kind of other opinion to that of what you've experienced. So, yeah, that's good. Dayton, what do you think? Do you, are you too concerned about the Anaheim and Chicago losses? Or do you think that it's a real problem that they're losing those games? Yes, I think I, uh, I side with Paul here. Those are troubling. Um, I was trying to think of a fun analogy for that. Like, I don't know, you have a brand new car and then you bump the, the, like you dent the bumper mm. does that ruin the car kinda right you put a big scratch in the door like that kind of sucks that kind of ruins it and I think what Paul is saying is maybe the car wasn't actually that nice in the first place Yeah, and a new paint job kind of helped us forget that for a minute like oh against the Leafs man that was great Oh, four game win streak. Oh, that's awesome. Easily we can beat uh you can you can beat Anaheim. No. Oh, Chicago. You can totally take on Chicago. Also, no. The worst team in the league. Oh. That's that's troubling. That that's a 
a team that you should at least go to overtime with. But the, so. you know, yeah, that that's the the problem with the Senators this year. If, you know, and, and I identified it. You know, when I was looking at the games they were losing, they're they're just they're, from the get go this season. They just have not been beating the teams that they should be beating, and that that tells you a lot about the team. They haven't beaten many of the teams they shouldn't be beating either. They just haven't been beating anyone. Well, you know, on a positive note, I did the math. They're uh, in their last 10 games. They're a uh, 600 hockey club. So. Yeah, they've been playing good hockey. Like as a team over the past 10, 15 games, they've been playing good hockey. They're just not winning the games that they need to be winning. And that's that's the biggest issue. Um, all right, so we talked about Toronto a little bit. You talked about the grit that Ridley Gregg brings brings to that new look third line. Let's talk about him for a second. So obviously, we all know about what happened with him and Morgan Riley. He uh, slap shot on the empty net. It was absolutely beautiful. Everybody loves to see it. Um, Morgan Riley comes over, cross checks him in the face, gets a five game suspension that gets upheld by Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman says that the slap shot was what was the word he used. Utterly irrelevant in the um, kind of in the findings of why this happened and why he cross-checked him in the face, that the slap shot was utterly irrelevant, which is incredibly wrong because it's the only thing that is relevant. It was a reaction to that. Um, but I'm glad to see that everything went as it should and Morgan Riley's suspension was upheld. Um, but Ridley Gregg since then has been taking quite a beating. So we got the cross check to the face. Uh, Boone Jenner hit him knee on knee. Eric Chernak, uh, beautiful hit. Like he can't complain. Can't say it was dirty or anything, but beautiful hit on Ridley Gregg yesterday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, is he being targeted now? Is there a problem with Ridley Gregg? Is he kind of getting that Michael Bunting kind of reputation? I, I don't know. Is what do you guys think? Start with you, Paul. Well, I you know I can't. Previous comment you're making there, Jacob, about um, uh, you know the response from Riley. Um, I, I was amazed because this guy, for me, is the Mahatma the the Mahatma Gandhi uh, of the NHL, right? I mean, he hardly had a penalty all year long, and then the next thing he goes out and cross checks uh, Greg in the head uh, with his graphite. Uh, amazing. And then, you know, I'm looking at it and, and look, um, sure, it was humiliating for the Leafs. But, you know, if I look at other sports, um, Batista, when, when he flipped his bat, um, you know, no one came over and assaulted him. Uh, you watch NFL games and there's on touchdowns, there's the dance and, and spiking of the ball. So, I don't know, I'd say to the nhl fellas get some emotional control i mean come on this mm. is how do you justify going over and cross-checking a guy in the head with with a weapon um but uh anyway answer to your question no i don't think he's being targeted per se i just think that you know when the centers are in town and the opposing coach is talking to his team he's probably telling them 
And oh, by the way, a guy you got to shut down is Greg, because if he gets up for it and he sparks the senators, we got problems. So but I, I, I don't think there's a an attempt to, at this point anyway to target the target the kid. I think that's a pretty fair analysis. What do you think, Dayton? Um, I think he is being targeted a little bit, or at least we're more aware of it. Um, if you do something in Toronto, everybody knows. If Greg had done that in Arizona, nobody would have cared. Hardly. He wouldn't, I think he would have got shoved, but because it was in Toronto on that massive, massive, you know, network, everyone can see it. All the hockey players know it. And the hockey player community is still pretty old school, right? There's a lot of that code, that honor. And so it's not surprising that he's taken a couple of dirty hits because now everybody knows Greg is a pest and he doesn't respect the game. Now, of course, we know that's not true, right? The slap shot was a thing of beauty and it should be celebrated, but it's not. And that's also the reality of what where hockey is right now. I've talked to several people who, you know, don't currently play the sport. They don't like it. Some family members and, and all that. Right? It's it's seen as a disrespectful act. And I don't think it was intended to be, but like there's a little bit of a uh, tongue-in-cheek type of uh, a knowledge of doing that, right? And so Greg knew that someone was coming for him. I don't think he expected a, uh, a, a twig to the head, though. So, yeah, to see him getting pushed around a little bit more, I think, is kind of expected. Unfortunately, it's it's just the way that things are. I think Greg can handle it, though. I think that those kind of things are going to fuel him to do more of that stuff, which is fantastic. That last point you made was exactly what I was going to say. He can handle it. I think it's going to add fuel to the fire for Ridley Greg. I think that. It's going to be uh, eternal flame in him, and this is just even adding more fuel to that fire. Uh, I I love what Rid- Ridley Gregg brings to the game. I think that he is a fantastic fit for this team, and moving forward, I hope he just uses this and says, "Look what I can do. I'm going to do. I'm going to do it even better now." Yeah, yeah. He's he's not a bunting. He's not lippy. He doesn't get in in guys' faces and and chirp and all that. He just kind of gets under your skin because he's good at that. Mm. Got the skill, and he's got. Uh, you know, maybe he does throw some chirps and and uh, whatever, but I don't know. I, I don't see him as a bunting that's going to get ignored by the refs. Well, bunting got pushed by the refs, so also true. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, he Greg's a, a man of few words. Uh, what I was surprised at was, you know, when he was talking about the incident, he actually cut. Uh, Riley, some some slack said, "Well, you know what? I I don't know that he meant meant to do it. He thought his uh, stick slid up from his shoulder. So you know, okay, uh, Ridley, you're a magnanimous class act. You know, not looking to uh, perpetuate it any longer. And um, you know, to be fair, the Leafs. Uh, I mean, everybody knows, right? That that there's a league wide conspiracy against the Leafs and the disciplinary office in New York hates the Leafs. Right. So that's why they got six games or Riley got six games, but I don't know. Conspiracies. They're always fun, aren't they? <laughs> Wait a um, second. Do we have anybody? Well, that... 
Toronto watching this, I don't know, trying to pour <laughs> jet fuel on the fire, but uh, probably a couple. Yeah, we'll have to put let's we'll put Ridley Gregg's name in the title of this episode, and then we'll get lots of Toronto fans. Yeah, and uh, the 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 fact that the the disciplinary office hates the Leafs, everybody knows that. So right, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. This has been a pretty fun episode and lots of good chatter and some controversial opinions, I think with Josh Norris and maybe even Ridley Gregg too. So leave your thoughts down in the comment box. Thank you too for joining me, especially from quite far away, Paul. We really appreciate you taking the time for this. Um, and yeah, tune in next week for next episode. Thanks for watching.